Hey, welcome back. It's episode 147 of the SoCo Show. Uh, this is the co-host, Cody Michael. I'm joined, as always, by the so-host, Seth Hutt. Hutt. Hutt, hut, indeed. <laughs> and, of course, back with uh, our pseudo-third host. Jared, welcome back, man. How you doing? I am doing great. I'm excited for the kind of scheduled meeting that we every ha- we have every week now <laughs> <laughs> that is that is true we are uh we are back this week after after having a week-long hiatus uh from the soco show last week but we did get to have our our uh, uh our regular weekly conversation as part of your live stream uh last week thursday which um you know for folks out there we'll link to this in the description but this was a marathon streaming session that Jared put together um, and had several guests on, including us, and uh, was raising donations and contributions uh, to support the current uh, Black Lives Matter protests and movement that are going on around the country. And and Jared, I don't want to steal the thunder, but tell the folks who don't know already how much money you raised, because I think this is amazing. No, I I mean, honestly, like everyone's like, oh, you're the man. It was a joint effort. It was a thing that I... I felt like, you know, when you have a platform, it's like, what can you do with it? Can you use it for good? Can you use it for bad? Can you use it to support others in need? So, yeah, I just threw together a charity live stream over on my channel. Um, it, you guys were you guys were the first on the list, and once you guys were in, then I was like, okay, we're off to the races. But, yeah, it was, what, nine and a half hours when we got done with it. We raised $800. So that was it was just awesome, man. It was it was fun. It was it was exciting. And and like you said, Jared, like you said, Jared, uh, or I think Cody said it, actually, it was a marathon of a live stream. And just like a real marathon, uh, I crapped my pants when I was done. (laughs) I was going to say I had very chafed nipples. Oh, wow. I just picture you now like sitting there in your live stream rubbing your nipples for nine hours. Like the guy from Waterboy. Oh my God! Well, uh, that's something that that Seth and I were super proud to be a part of, and uh, very happy that it went as well as it did. So, for folks who want to see any bits of that live stream, um, head on over to uh, to the YouTube's, and you can check out the uh, the recorded version at Jared Buckendall. Um, also, the Soco Show is doing its part. Um, we mentioned this in an announcement last week. We're going to be donating all of our um, all of our contributor income, and and I. I don't know that we've talked about this explicitly, but all of our ad income as well um, for mm-hmm. the month of June yes. is going to be donated to the causes. So if if you already are a contributor, big thanks um, for, for that. But if you're not already a contributor, uh, if you become one during the month of June, that first month's worth of uh, contribution dollars will be going toward the movement. So uh, big shouts out to all of all the folks out there who who are either directly contributing or uh, are helping out just by listening and generating ad revenue for us um, to pass along. So June, the whole month, uh, is dedicated to that. So so thank you for those who have already participated and who are going to uh, for the rest of this month. Some additional monies are in there now, by the way. So I don't, oh, know, yeah. if want, I don't know if you want to say the total, but it doesn't matter, I guess. But Yeah, it's rolling. And maybe at the end of the month we'll announce it. Um, yeah. Um, and then uh, maybe Seth and I will do a little matchy match to, uh, to bump Ooh, that up. Ooh, a little matchy number, match. So. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what we can do here. But yeah, if you're if you've been thinking of uh, becoming a contributor and and are looking for a good reason to, now now is a great time. Um, and uh, 
if you if you hate the idea of us getting some money from you, don't worry, we're not gonna keep it this time. <laughs> 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 but in July, it's in July, it's all fucking ours. Here we go, money talks. Here comes the money. Oh man, so uh, lots of fun stuff out there. Good to get back, I think, into uh, a mode where we can have some fun. Uh, last week, uh, you know, honestly, the main reason we didn't do the show last week is none of us were in the mood to do it. So, um, you know, as, as things have evolved and, and moved on, you know, we're certainly not through um, with, you know, with what's been going on. Still a lot of work to be done, um, but glad to be back and taking a couple hours to uh, dick around a little bit. Um, so glad glad that you guys are joining us again. And um, we got a lot of really fun stuff to talk about. We got some interesting topics. Uh, we got some reviews that I'm really intrigued to see. I think it's really funny to look at the list of movies and TV that we're going to review tonight and remember that it's June. It is blockbuster <laughs> movie season. <laughs> In blockbuster movie season, we're about we're gonna talk in the TV corner today about a foreign Netflix original t- series, and that never would have happened otherwise. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of interesting, you know. I don't know what would have come out and what what we thought we'd be talking about, but this ain't it. Um, but we'll we'll still have some fun stuff. Uh, of course, we'll get back into we missed the boat, um, and uh, we got some pretty more stuff, pretty fun stuff in, in store for one more thing this week as well. So. Lots of uh, lots of good times to be had, but before we get to any of that, we got to start with some chic tweets. I call you a punk. Iron Sheik. We talked a little on the live stream. Uh, you know, he 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 commented on everything going on with Black Lives Matter and, and all that stuff. Uh, he he had a little bit of a continuation a few days later because one of the recommendations Cody had is to take in black art. And to watch, you know, movies and, and things like that. Uh, Iron Sheik is taking that uh, that uh, recommendation to heart, and he's watching a, a great show from last year, When They See Us. And so Iron Ooh. Sheik says, "My heart in this show. God bless the Central Park Five. Um, it's a very nice message, and I'm glad he's watching that. But can you imagine? Can you just picture Iron Sheik watching this show?" <laughs> <laughs> Wow. You know, now that you say that, it's really hard to picture that dude just like sit, sitting on a couch with a remote and just being like, mm, that's deep, Bubba. Like, it's weird. It's weird. I picture him getting super animated and angry at the show. You fucking jabroni. You are being racist. <laughs> like, <laughs> I break that cop jabroni fucking neck. I bet that's yeah. what he's fucking. Oh, the innocent. Get them out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Sheiky Baby. Uh, that is good. That is good. Sheiky Baby taking taking the co-host's advice and taking in some black art. Gosh, if you're out there and you haven't seen When They See Us um, and you're and you're trying to understand what's going on right now, look no further than that show. Jeez. Um, it's going to hit you hard, but you'll learn a lot and um, it'll it'll move you for sure. Uh, so the Sheik, uh, being part of the movement, taking in some black art this week for Sheik Tweets. I call you a punk. Alrighty, let's shout out our sponsors. First of all, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description box. You're going to get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Free. Free indeed. Uh, Mathis Designs. Find our friend Steph on etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all your stationery and graphic design needs. Pay. <laughs> and of course, Mike's Wood. 
Head on over to etsy.com slash shop slash corn fed and wed to get your woodworked. Uh, That's good. I don't That's, like I that. I don't know what you're going for. Jared doesn't you, like it. I think it's cool. <laughs> it, 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 you know, not being on the show for a week kind of like gets me out of rhythm and stuff. And so, uh, or at least not doing this. We didn't do this last week when we did the live stream. But um, when you're saying, I was, I was already anticipating the, the moaning. And so I was waiting to hear um the to get your woodworked <laughs> but you were doing the mathis part of it so i check out mathis designs to get your woodworked is what i what i was all of it put together so uh, it, not doing a show definitely throws me off i i have a little bit of pod rust oh pod rust that's an interesting it's an interesting way to put it. it sounds like you left your jewel in the car for too long that's i would suggest throwing that thing out um wow Wow, wow, wow. Uh, one more ad here. Let's kick it over to our previously recorded selves to talk about, uh, oof, I almost said Audible. Uh, we're going to talk about Anchor instead. Here we go. Yeah, dude, the pod rust is real. The pod rust is real. <laughs> Can you imagine if we had to take two weeks off of the show? Oh, my God. <laughs> For some oh, reason, pod rust in my mind is reminding me of Star Wars Episode One or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why, that's why fucking... I can't think of an obscure Star Wars character's name right now, but one of them that crashes for no reason, it's because they have pod rust. That's uh, also the name of Paul Rust from uh, Love. That's the name of his house. Oh, yeah. He's, he's from he's Iowa. Pod rust. He is from Iowa. Nice guy. Um, <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> I don't. I, you know what? <laughs> I, I was hoping you'd let me get away with that. I don't know him, but I did ride on the same plane as him once. And <laughs> Real great guy. I, from ever from from everything I observed, he was perfectly nice and pleasant. Uh, I didn't hear him say a word or see him do anything, but um, I think I know enough to know that he's a nice guy. I was I don't know. I was entirely on a different thought track, and then I hear you say "nice guy," and I'm like, wait a second, how does he know? Sometimes I like to just say that about people and let them let let the people in my vicinity assume that I met them and then just not say anything. Just go, yeah, he's a nice guy, and then and you just know leave it. What's also funny though is because I, when you said like, oh, I was on a plane with him, I remember that. So I think in my head for a second too, I'm like, oh yeah, he's met him, but he really hasn't. He nope walked by <laughs> him on a plane. Yep, I walked behind him for a fair amount of time. Um, he didn't, he didn't fart, I guess that I can report that he doesn't, he's not an airport crop duster. So <laughs> if, if, if that earns him some points, then give him those points. Um, wow. Didn't expect to be talking much about Paul Rust, but, um, uh, who we do need to talk about are our anchor contributors. Big shouts out to Mike V, Jared B, KCC, and Anna S for, uh, supporting the show on a monthly basis. And of course, shouts out to all of our listeners, uh, every click, every share, helps us grow the podcast so we appreciate you guys spending this time with us and as we as we roll into uh to sort of you know what's what's top of mind main topics this week uh i know one of one of the things that i wanted to uh to talk about is gone with the wind and uh jared did we did we talk briefly about this in your quickies yesterday um no i think that it popped up like right before or after um i saw a headline so you're gonna have to fill me in on what's what's happening with this yeah. Okay. So gone with the wind, um, which I didn't realize this was the case, but apparently if you adjust for inflation, uh, gone with the wind is the highest grossing movie ever. Which yeah. By like a long shot, isn't it? 
Yeah, which seems kind of stupid to me. I miss me with with box office adjusted for inflation and just tell me how many fucking tickets they sold because like Six. I still feel like more people went to Avengers. Like you're not going to convince me that more people saw Gone with the Wind than saw Avengers Endgame. That that there's no way in hell that that happened. So like, you know, if 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 Gone with the Wind wants that bit of notoriety then they can have it, but um, what's interesting about it is Gone with the Wind in relation to HBO and HBO Max, because this week HBO uh, announced that they're pulling Gone with the Wind off of their streaming platform because of its dated and insensitive and frankly incorrect portrayal of slaves in America. And the main complaint being that there is a, um, a glorification of slave life in Gone with the Wind. Uh, famous character, a black house slave uh, that was portrayed by Hattie McDaniel, who's a legend in black film, first uh, African-American to ever win an Oscar, and it was for this role. Um, but there have often been complaints about Gone with the Wind and the way that it handles slavery and how irresponsibly it handles it. And so HBO has decided that, um, you know, because of those things, and what's going on in the world right now, they're they're taking down Gone with the Wind. Now, to be clear, uh, this does not mean you can't watch Gone with the Wind. You can still watch it in plenty of other platforms. And HBO does plan to bring the movie back, but with it will be some sort of disclaimer or notice or something to that effect before the movie to let you know, you know, to, well, really to let idiots know, this isn't how slavery was. So <laughs> don't, don't make assumptions um, about historical accuracy based on this movie. So really interested to get your guys' thoughts about this. And I think it opens up an even bigger conversation here. But with a movie like Gone with the Wind and, and a classic that a lot of people love, do you think HBO is on to something here? Do you think they're overreacting? What's your initial thought when you hear that they're pulling Gone with the Wind down for, for a short time at least because of that? I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a great idea so you can have more conversations around it. I mean, it's, it's, good, it's good that they're not... Um altering it either because it is something to mm -hmm. you know for one i think you know because you're not there's going to be like other books there's going to be paintings all that's art and i think we need to learn from the past that's part you know art art is a huge part of history so we mm -hmm. need to learn you know like obviously things have changed since then and don't do this um but it's going to create conversation they're going to have uh, you know like that uh, a little bit of a short video in front of it uh to kind of talk about it a little bit more too um specifically with race and things like that. So I think it's it's a great learning tool for one. I mean, Gone with the mm -hmm. Wind more than anything now is looked at as something people study in, in classes, you know, in film classes. You know, I, I don't think a ton of people just sit down and watch it. You know, maybe people who are super into film. But, um, you, you know, I don't think most people to just just to sit down and watch it. It, it, it is way more of a study tool, I think, than anything else now. So, um, yeah, it's good. Need conversations around it for sure. I guess mm -hmm. this this news story was um, fascinating to me because I I've never seen the film so I'm I, I have no idea what it's about um, so I'm getting a little bit more insight into what the film is about and I'm I'm glad to hear that they're not changing the art um, like like Seth kind of pointed at it, it it's this thing where we can look back at it and we can learn from those essentially mistakes or the wrong portrayal of you know certain ethnicities in film and everything like that. Um, I think again, it's a, it's a safe bet and smart thing that they're doing at, you know, a very much in this time that we're dealing with, they're 
making notice of this and also they're putting disclaimers in front of it. I'm curious if this is going to be a thing moving forward for other streaming services or films or anything of that nature. Um, I, I guess another thing I was reading and I, 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 I'm just, I don't know history of film that well, but I didn't realize that she won an Oscar and I didn't realize that when she won that Oscar, she couldn't even like sit with her castmates or anything like that because mm-hmm. of the segregation. Yep. Yep. The, yeah, they do a bit on that. Uh, not a. a <laughs> I say bit. I think of a joke. They do. They do a segment on that in the, in the documentary series. I think I mentioned this a couple months back. Um, they got to have us on Netflix. That talks about the history of black film. They do a segment on that, and it was pretty shitty. She was. She was not treated well, even while winning an Oscar. Um, and it was a long time after that, I believe, uh, before before another person of color won. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, some folks will point to that as uh, and try to like the same people will tell you racism doesn't exist because Obama was president will tell you, oh, Hattie McDaniel won an Oscar for that. It's not a problematic movie. But like most people agree that it is. But Jared, I think you're onto something there because uh, we have seen Netflix this week come out and they put up uh, there's a special landing page mm-hmm. dedicated to uh, to highlighting black film, which I think is awesome. Um, what I'm curious about though, is there are lots of movies like Gone with the Wind and I'm wondering, do you guys think this is going to become more common if movies get to be so old? Um, and this doesn't even have specifically to do with race, but like, there's a lot of older movies like, um, like, uh, Animal House is like, they, they promote like date rape and voyeurism and things in that movie. Revenge of the Nerds. Yep. Revenge of the Nerds is all about that. You have things like weird science and then fast forward to, um, you know, a lot of movies in the nineties and early two thousands that were making big jokes out of gayness and, and the whole spectrum of LGBTQ. Joanna man is a movie Uh, that was allowed to exist. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, and then, and then even beyond that, like the, the ringer with Johnny Knoxville, uh, pretty much making a mockery of people of special needs and the special Olympics. So for movies like that, and we all know that they're out there and Mm -hmm. most people with common sense know that society has moved on from seeing things and enjoying content like that. Do you think we're going to see a lot more of those disclaimers that say, you know, keep in mind, this is, this is from another time or, or, um, you know, be, be aware that there are dated references in here. You think we're going to see a lot more of that now? I think, um, it just kind of going through my head as you're talking about it. I think kind of like gone with the wind, a lot of the important ones will definitely like if, and I, and I'm thinking specifically with streaming services, if you rent something, um, mm-hmm. Maybe there'll be like a, a quick disclaimer you can read there, but obviously that's all in the MPAA stuff, and you choose to like rent that. You know, it's it's not mm-hmm. just like the the service doesn't put it on there. You, they, you know, you choose to do it. So like with streaming though, like Netflix, HBO, all that, I think there will be with some of the bigger ones and more important ones uh, make a video up front, kind of like they're doing with Gone with the Wind. I think there'll be something where maybe someone discusses it or whatever that case may be. Some of the smaller ones, like your like you mentioned, like The Ringer or whatever. I could see them doing like, you know, you, you hear the duh, duh, Netflix logo or something and then it shows like, um, you know, th- this film contains uh, sensitive con- content and then maybe like a colon and it says, you know, uh, special needs or things like that where, you know, they're mm-hmm. making fun of it. So I think I can see something like that, not a full video. Um, mm-hmm. More like trigger so. warning type. Yeah. 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 That's kind of the way that I think I'm leaning is like. You know, these again, it's history of film and everything, and more and more of these are going to come out of the woodwork, essentially. Um, 
the bigger, the important ones, the ones that are notable, you know, gone with, you say gone with the wind, everyone knows what that film is. Um, those ones might get, you know, like you're saying that video, but I mean, there's a lot of things that, yeah, you dive into, like you guys were just talking about the ringer. Um, East Ventura has some very touchy subjects with, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, gender roles and everything like that. And it just, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know where I wouldn't say the line is, but it's like, is every film going to just, you know, at the beginning, it'll pop up with that little rating and then say why it's this or why this isn't, um, in today's taste, I guess, or PC culture or anything like that. This, this is fascinating to me because you truly can look at movies and especially ones that do well in the year they're released and they're snapshots of the culture at that time. You know, if you watch Avengers Endgame, you can, you can ascertain a lot about what life was like in America in 2019. And I think that that is, is really interesting and, and all around good. So I, I certainly don't want to advocate for movies that we later deem to be problematic to be like removed or hidden or have people prevented from seeing. But I think people do need that context. Mm-hmm. And because it's really easy for people to grow up. And, and I know all of this had influences, all of us here had influences like that. You, you watch a TV show or you watch a movie as a young kid and you see people cracking jokes about gay people and you go to school and you make the same jokes. Or, you know, you see kids at school talking about, or kids on a movie talking about um, the the friend zone, which is like a problematic thing, you know, today to talk about, but it was a huge part of movies a decade ago. And so you, especially young and impressionable people, they take from art and apply to real life. And and some adults have the ability to not do that, but I, I think it's really interesting and it'll be fascinating to see going forward, you know, what type of things change in film in order to be more evergreen, I guess, and less... Uh, a snapshot of the moment in which they were made. That's that's going to be really fascinating, I think, to keep tabs on. Um, this also made me think, um, because uh, in other streaming news, apparently the movie The Help uh, kind of spiked up and was the number one movie on Netflix for a short time over this last couple weeks, um, which, you know, on one hand, it's great because it's a movie about, um, you know, about slaves in the South and, uh, or I guess not... I don't think they're slaves. Are they paid? I can't remember in the help, but um, it's a bunch of black housekeepers working for a white family, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's in a t- you can tell by seeing the numbers spike that it's it's people trying to uh, watch something that's related to what's going on. We saw this re- similarly a few months back with Contagion and pandemic and outbreak and movies like that. And so, on the one hand, I think it's really good that that's happening. <clears throat> But here's where this raises kind of an eyebrow for me is you take a movie like The Help, which has uh, well-documented cases of like Viola Davis came out and said that she she wishes she hadn't done that movie. Um, you have people like, um, oh, what's the name? Bryce Dallas Howard in there who says, you know, she's proud of the movie and everything, but it's not the movie that you should be watching if you want to really learn about these things. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the help specifically is is written by white people from the perspective of white people and it doesn't handle the issues in a way that's realistic. So if you watch a movie like The Help or I would add to that a movie like Green Book which is also written from a white point of view and then made by white filmmakers there 
there's a chance there, even though those are movies that I think were attempting to be productive and were positive movies, and especially in Green Book's case, I really enjoyed that movie. Mm -hmm. But I think the risk you run is in watching movies like that is that you're going to get maybe a watered down or a not as true per uh, not as true um, portrayal of what they're trying to talk about. And I think that could be a problem. But you look similarly. We talked on J-Buck Live this week about uh, blind spotting. Uh, we had movies in the past couple of years like Sorry to Bother You, Get Out. Um, when, when, movies, when movies about race are written by the people who live those lives, that is where there's truly a learning opportunity. So I'm curious to get your guys' opinion on this because I know we all really enjoyed Green Book, for example. I guess the question I want to ask is, should should white folks, white filmmakers, white writers be attempting to tell these stories or should they let them be told by the people who they more directly relate to? Do you think there's a role for white filmmakers in this discussion or should it be should it be left to the people that are more directly involved? I don't know how to answer that one. Uh, it's a hard one, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it depends on, I guess it depends on what you're going for and what, what the theme of the story, like, you know, in retrospect, those are probably two types of movies that should have been written by, um, you know, the, with those, I don't know, I haven't seen The Help, but in Green Book's case, I know, like, the 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 kid of the guy wrote it mm-hmm. so yeah. he, you know he had some sort of perspective but then also you know you hear stories about that wasn't the true thing and blah 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 blah. so i don't know you know that that's a hard one i guess it, i think it probably would be- depend on the type of story you're wanting to tell and mm-hmm. you know it the help is at, at adapted off of a book and so you know do you blame the original people you know the person who wrote it but i'm assuming they were white you know i don't know mm-hmm. you know so it's a, that's a tricky one yeah. Jared, what do you think I I am going to say yes, it depends. The first thing I thought about was if that's going to be the case, say white filmmakers, I don't know, wanted to make Black Panther, you better as hell have like a black consultant, a co-writer, yeah. mm-hmm. someone on set helping or advising towards that um, mm-hmm. if that's going to be the case. I think that that's where this weird kind of happy medium, um, I wouldn't say that it's completely off limits as long as, yeah, I think you should have someone come in and consult. Um, maybe I'm a little tone deaf on that, but I I think that it's not entirely off balance, but like you're saying those films like get out blind spotting, those hit so much harder because it's Mm -hmm. coming from people who have experienced that and know how it actually feels rather than reading about it or hearing about it and then translating essentially a game of telephone. That's Mm -hmm. when, when I was talking about like the, the type of, um, you know what what the movie's about and where it's coming from blind spotting was the movie i had in my head mm-hmm. um was mm-hmm. like that that's a story super and that even has a you know white guy in it who's you know trying to to basically act black in that movie um you know so it's it's got like that's a personal story though you know like that's coming from david diggs and a lot of it's very ripped from his life so um yeah i it, i think that's kind of what i what i meant by that was like it depends mm-hmm. on the type of story you're trying to mm-hmm. tell too and you know like yeah. i like I said, I think that maybe in retrospect, the other movie should have should have had should have been made by um, black filmmakers. But um, you know, we again we learn from that. You know, we, we see something like uh, Moonlight or um, uh, like you said, Black Panther, Jared. Like you know, five years ago, those type. I mean, Moonlight would have been made, but Black Panther would have been directed by like John Favreau or something. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's interesting. And I think, I do think that there is room for, because here's a really good example, uh, the color purple, which is, has always been lauded. Uh, mm. There are multiple Oscars. Steven Spielberg directs that one. But I think he tells a story from a black perspective. And, and I have to assume, without knowing, that he got a lot of input from them and, and took from the novel um, really um, faithfully. And I think that there's kind of two different types of movies. Like Green Book can be one of two different types of movies. And I think it's, I think it's not the fault of Green Book that this is an issue because what Green Book is telling you is a story from the point of view of a white man watching racism. And so it stands to reason that it wouldn't be exactly correct. And that, that can make a lot of sense. I think that's fine. And the same goes for the help. I, I think there's a place for a movie from, from an outside perspective watching something go on. I think a good example of this is a movie called um, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. And um, I don't think either of you guys have seen this. I haven't even seen this, but I know what it's about. It's, it's this boy who um, uh, his backyard backs up to this fence and on the other side of that fence every day, or at least a lot of days, there's this other little boy who will come over and they'll talk, like, talk through the fence to each, to each other. And that other boy is wearing striped pajamas. Mm. And it turns out that the fence is a concentration camp. And this kid is a Jewish boy in a concentration camp. And so, again, I, I could be speaking out of turn because I haven't seen this movie and I'm not exactly sure how it, how it goes. But there's a movie from the point of view of this white boy who's not involved. And, I, you know, his, we know as the viewer that his perspective isn't true. It's his perspective. Jojo Rabbit is a more recent yep. really good example I was just going to say that one. Yeah, let me watch it through the eyes of that person. And I think there's room for that. I think that's important to be able to do also. I think when the problem arises is when everybody watches a movie like a Green Book or like a Help, and instead of recognizing it as there's a movie, while it's about black issues, it's from a white perspective, I think we're too quick to hold movies up like that as a cultural touchstone and as, you know, advancing, you know, issues of race um, without realizing that that's what's happening. So I don't know that it's as much an issue with the filmmaking or anything of that matter, but how we receive it as people. And I think it's important that we make those distinctions because, yeah, nobody wants to tell white people they can't tell black stories. But we all know that to get the truth and to really learn about those situations, it's just better to hear it from someone who, who has been through it or who is closer to it. In the same way that like LGBTQ, LGBTQ stories are best told by people from that background. And, you know, to hear, to see, um, uh, you know, any other perspective of any, uh, Vice, the movie Vice, um, getting to see what was going on in the Bush administration from the perspective of, um, you know, well, not necessarily is it um, Dick Cheney's perspective as much as it is the people around him, but you know, getting a different perspective on on his history is important. Um, but I think it's our job to to really categorize those as what they are instead of what they what we want them to be. I think I think that pretty much rids us of that problem. I'm I'm curious too. Uh, that I I was reading about all of this and it uh, it led me to there was there was a really big. Um, there was a really big post that was shared and it has to do with the BLM movement, but I'm going to, I'm going to sort of remove that context and, and place another on it. Cause I want to pose another question to you guys. Um, there was a, a question raised about 
so this was talking specifically about the black community and raising or glorifying or deifying um, people who are criminals or bad doers, right? And so uh, I'm 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 referencing a video that uh, basically was making the argument that black people in particular are quick to make heroes out of people who are criminals. Jay Z used to be a drug dealer, you know, examples like that. Um, do you think that's a problem in movies? We have a shitload of gangster movies out there. We have a shitload of movies about renegade cops who play on the edge. We have a ton <laughs> of movies about financial criminals, Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, it's every week we're seeing a new movie where it's a bad guy that we're supposed, the anti-hero, right? Do you think that there is a an amount of, is that potentially bad? Is it irresponsible for filmmakers to do something like that? We had a big conversation around this with Joker last year, um, but I'm curious on the whole, and this is a way longer conversation, so maybe just for initial thoughts, but like this idea of elevating or deifying through film the bad actors of our society, is that a problem or should we as the consumer know uh, that our place is not to take that stuff seriously and then, and then you know, act that stuff out you know where where does the blame lie if if art is glorifying those people right i think i i, I lie kind of where i was with, with the whole joker thing and it's like that's it's it's you know for the most part up to the person watching it but at the same time in all those movies where the bad person is you know is cool they never end up winning or succeeding or whatever the case may be they they you know they look cool for a while and then they end up usually losing you know so mm-hmm. you know I, I think that's that to me, that's like you're not going to be able to no – matter, no matter what it is, whether whether they're trying to make the bad person cool or not, people just gravi- gravitate towards bad people a lot, um, which I think says way more about people than it does about movies, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yep. it, no ma- like no matter what it is, I, I mean, you know, Thanos isn't cool, you know? Right. Like he, he, he's awful. But people love Thanos. People dress up as Thanos and get Thanos tattoos and, and all. Like, he doesn't do anything that's cool. You know, I guess he does kind of, you know, in term, he gives you a reason for what he's doing, but it's still not good. You know, people who rob banks have a reason for robbing a bank. They need money. So, you know, like, it's mm-hmm. it's all mm-hmm. bad people do bad things for reasons. And, you know, there are certain things where it's, like, cool to be bad. Fucking John Wick is killing people, but he's cool while he's doing it. You know, so... <laughs> Like I, I think with with that, that's way more of like a, a of a person thing. Like you should know not to to be bad. I guess there you know there are certain certain situations like maybe with these movies where, um, you know you see who the villains are. It's you. It, a lot of times it's it's people of color. You know, and and so like changing that narrative of being like a, a bad person is always a person of color and and change that up. Um, but you know I think. So that that's the more problematic part of it, but in the long run, in terms of just like bad people in general, people you always have to have an antagonist. The -hmm. basic storytelling is there's a protagonist and an antagonist, and there are people around the world who are gonna love the antagonist no matter what they do. There are Nazis out there. People love Hitler, so I mean, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I, it's that's just human nature is to pick a side. So I, I, in terms of the overall idea of of you know, bad people be being glorified. That's, I think that's up to the person. Yeah. I think, I think that this whole thing is just fascinating to look at because yeah, in, I mean, Joker made a billion dollars. Like why? Oh, he's the bad guy. Like, I mean, there's a bunch of other things that fell into that, but 
I think people like to see that. Maybe it's because I I don't know. Maybe it's because it's like, oh, I'm just a normal everyday Joe, and I want to see this on the big screen. Again, it's entertainment, but you know, some people can look at it as a skewed type of thing. Um, this almost like teeters into that whole rise of true crime as well. Like we very much love documentaries and stuff about these people who have murdered or serial killers or anything and everything like that. What? Why is that? Why? Why do we like watching these? Is it because it's a fascinating story? Um, is it because they got away with it? Is it because it's some twisted fantasy that I can't live out? Like it's. It's a lot of weird – now thinking about it, why are people obsessed with bad people? I don't get it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, Seth, you said something that that stuck with me that it's human nature. Like people, people for whatever reason, I don't know why it is, but people like are attracted to bad guys. Uh-huh. And and so what I'm thinking – and this is, this is changing as I say it, but um, I, I, I tend to agree that it should – it's up to the consumer – to decide whether or not they're going to be like influenced by the art. Like I'm I'm not saying that um, uh, the people that made Joker should be responsible for people who were inspired to do bad things by it. Um, I've I've never believed that, but what what's occurring to me now that hasn't before is, especially in the case of a Joker movie or most other big blockbuster movies, which is most of what everyone watches, those movies aren't, people don't just make those movies and then people flock to them. People make those movies because they know in advance. They've done the research. They know that that's what people are attracted to. That's why there is a million true crime podcasts and TV shows. That's why the Joker got greenlit because we have anecdotal evidence that shows that people will flock to the anti-hero. And so uh, I think as, as I'm asking it and answering it, this question of should filmmakers be held responsible for that, I think it's the public that should be answered <laughs> to because we keep watching it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And also too, though, again, like like I said, I think ninety nine percent of of movies, though, and movies, TV, the the person who does the bad thing always ends up losing. You know, yeah. so like yep. that's also like people got to read the entire. Me- you can't just you can't read the middle of a of a book and you know like be like, okay, I'm done with that because I read what I wanted to read. <laughs> you know, like the mm-hmm. you have to you have to take the entire part of it and and see like oh yeah there, there's a whole message here you're reading you're getting half the message that the bad guy is cool but what does the bad guy also do he dies or loses or doesn't get what he wants so mm-hmm. that's also part of it too yep yep yeah i think that's an interesting point it's it's i think uh, there's a lot that's fascinating about how the world is kind of evolving its thinking right now which is weird that it's happening like fucking now mm-hmm. like while we're talking um but the way that the way that this period of time and hopefully everything after is affected by what's going on now and the 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 different types of art the different types of filmmakers that are going to emerge the different writers the different stories that are going to come out because of all these other things and of course there's a lot bigger things at stake here and a lot more important things but it is going to be really interesting to see how art reacts to all this because we really haven't seen it yet but we will there's going to be a million movies made about right now and there's going to be a million movies made. There, guarantee you there's a shitty comedy in the works right now that stars Adam Devine trying to date during quarantine. I would bet you any <laughs> amount of money that that is happening. And, and so when we see art start to talk about what's happening right now and to show the evolution of human thinking and, and kind of the zeitgeist, I'm really intrigued to see how that plays out. 
Um, and selfishly, I'm glad that I get to kind of watch it and see what comes out. I, someone, someone who's local to Bend um, that that I uh, that I kind of follow um, posted a video last week saying like I am really you know everything that's sad and fucked up and bad about everything that's going on right now I, I appreciate and I understand but we're about to get some great art from all of this and I think that um, that's one of the silver linings is I, I think we're going to see a lot of new and interesting stories from a lot of new and interesting people um, and it could be very cool could be very cool um, I want to shift to less uh, less heady news and get your reaction guys to this to this bit of news um, we heard yesterday uh, I'm, I'm referencing an article from Cinema Blend AMC Theaters sets global reopening date, and it's soon. Um, so as of today, there's not an official date, but the uh, the theater chain AMC has confirmed that they have plans to reopen in July. And while we don't have an exact date, uh, this article does specifically say that AMC confirms plans to have theaters open in July in time for the slated releases of Christopher Nolan's Tenet, Disney's Mulan, and everything, I guess, that follows. So it's looking like we are going to get a theatrical release of Tenet and that theaters, at least AMC, are going to be open in Ju- uh, Sorry, in July. Uh, what are you guys' first reactions to this? Are we, are we ready for this? Are you excited? Uh, are, you, are you nervous about going to the theater? Where, where, where are you at uh, when you hear that AMC is coming back? Movies! <laughs> Movie theaters, we're back at it. Um, I... I guess I'm curious because there's three AMCs in town. I only typically go to one, and it's the nicest one. And on opening night, again, I go Thursdays. I don't think a lot of people go on Thursdays. Um, There's maybe 10 people there. So I don't have to worry probably about much. Um, I'm just curious if they're going to have to shut down certain locations. Um, Kind of a little off-topic um today starbucks announced that they're closing 400 of their shops Mm -hmm. again there's a starbucks everywhere and anywhere but is amc going to do this to try to recoup some of their monies where they see that a town has three theaters two of them don't get used maybe we shut down one of them i don't i don't know but i'm very excited Mm -hmm. for movies again yeah Yeah, i can tell you this article does reference that and it, it doesn't reference any statement made by amc but uh, I think this is the folks at Cinema Blend editorializing, but they do say um, it doesn't look like every theater will be back, every AMC, and that the company is reportedly doing an analysis to see which of its theaters would be better left closed permanently. Probably so I a lot of them. The, I, yeah, I would expect, a, I would expect a, a shrinking of the footprint, but um, I, I would bet that that's going to take place mostly in places like, like where you're at, Jared, where there are multiple AMCs. Um, and so they might consolidate down to just one or just a couple. So yeah, I would expect to see some close. Um, but, uh, but the ones that are, uh, the ones that are staying open are, are going to be available to us soon. Seth, what do you think of that? Well, well, if that's the case and a bunch of theaters are closing down, are going to be empty. Uh, Cody better get his line of credit ready to go Mm because we're going to be opening up SoCo theaters. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) SoCo cinemas. Sorry. There we go. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. I've, I've been holding off. There's one theater open here. Um, they have their 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 offerings of movies has been uh, very abysmal. <laughs> they haven't even played old stuff because they're kind of an they're just their solo chain. 
And so they don't really have rights to play old stuff, I don't think. Like, and they probably can't afford it. Uh, mm-hmm. So they, they've only been playing. They've played, uh, I think, a, I don't know if I talked on the show or not. They're playing, like, Max Winslow's Big Move. No, it's not that. But it's, like, Max it's something Siegel. like that. Big Move? It's something like <laughs> yes. that. It's like, it, it, it has that name. It's, like, Max Winslow's Haunted House or some bullshit like that. It's got uh, um, Chad Michael Murray in it. Uh, it's it, they they touted on their website. They said it's the world premiere of this movie. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. No one else yeah. is playing it on the website. It literally says the world premiere. I'm like, that is fucking. You could have gotten their autographs. <laughs> I don't think they were there. Um, I really fucking hope they were though. That would be a hysterical scene. <laughs> like yeah, four people Murray. just out in front. They probably roll out like a little red like welcome. Mat, yep. Yep. And. <laughs> Oh, I wish that would happen. Oh, man, I laugh so hard. Um, but no, they're playing like that and Sonic and and like two of like they have tw- I think they have ten or eight theaters something like that, and they're only playing four movies right now. So like that's how bad it is there. But once old Greg Marcus opens his doors again, I'm going to be there immediately. Um, mm-hmm. I got I got some masks. I got uh, I got I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do this. So um, <laughs> I, I need back in that theater. Yep. Yep. I, I think we all uh, are pretty much in agreement there. Uh, I'll tell you, Cinema Blend, I'll link to this article. Uh, there's a poll at the bottom of this, and I, I just uh, filled it out myself. Um, they're, they're saying, uh, or asking, when will you be going back to the movie theater? Uh, there's, as soon as they open, I'll wait a few weeks to see how things go first, and then I won't be going back for a long time. 60% of respondents so far have said they're going back as soon as they open. Nice. Um, 25% are saying that they'll wait a few weeks. Only 15% are saying that they're going to be waiting a long time. So while I think that, you know, it, it's, it's, I don't, obviously they can't and they won't pack everything out, but I do think there will be, a, you know, 60% of people reporting that they're going to go, you know, right away. So mm-hmm. I think there's a chance for tenant to have a solid opening, if not what they might've hoped for. Um, I'm interested to see if, if, you know, there's obviously guys like us who go to the movies every week, but most people, not most, there are a lot more people who go to the movies once every few months. And so for those people, they haven't gotten to do what they want to do either. So it's not just going to be hardcore movie fans like us that are going back right away. It's going to be some of those more casual people as well. What I'm interested to see is whether or not um, with shrunk down, with less theaters open and with shrunk down capacities in those theaters, if there's going to be some shortages of tickets and if, if, uh, you know, if, if showings are going to sell out, um, and it might be more difficult to get a ticket. Do you guys think that's a possibility? Oh, I, the thing I just thought of is like, what if they don't allow single seat mm-hmm. people? Then I set fire to the theater. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I, I saw someone, and I don't know if this was a mock-up or whatever, but yeah, it was kind of, you know, it's like two seats, two seats, two seats, where it's like, you know, two are blocked, two are open. I'm assuming if you're going by yourself, you know, you're just going to get bunched up in one of those couples. You're not going to have anyone sit by you. It's just if you bring people. Um, I guess another thing, yeah, I, I think that the showings will be sold out only because it's 50%, and it really depends which theater. I know that a lot of, you know, the, the people like us will probably go to – any theater i mean that's maybe a stretch um Mm -hmm. but a lot of the casual fan that goes you know every few months they're going to the ones with the the, with the bar with the food and all of that stuff so some of those theaters you know the say an amc classic it might be left a little bit more empty than the other ones if people are rushing out to the movie theater but um 
AMC specifically, I'm curious if this whole fiasco will, for a small amount of time, raise the AMC A-list price per month. Um, currently, mm. I pay $20 and see 12 movies a month. That's stupid. I can <laughs> see them raising it, if not, you know, maybe a certain percentage, because I know other areas it's a different price but i could see them doing that for a small amount of time potentially recouping some of their monies mm-hmm. i was wondering if maybe what if they even just get rid of it and that's that's my biggest fear is if they get rid of that i am not going to be happy yeah <laughs> i think we're all going to be fucked if we yeah. to, well i guess seth doesn't really have what, what jared and i do but like i <laughs> I, I, it would be a challenge for me to pay myself for all the movies I see on my Regal Pass. <laughs> we need a movie pass to come around again and start another scheme. That we do. That we do. Seth, uh, hypothetical for you. If they said, if they said uh, no single seats, you got to buy two seats together, would you, would you pay for two tickets to get to the movies for, say, something like Tenet? No, I'd probably go. I, w- I would probably maybe take some time off work or something and uh, go during, like, th- during the day or something. Um, cause I'm assuming like if they were to do that, it would be during busy times or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, no, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy two tickets. Yeah. Yeah. I like think, you said, I think I, for like, I, I already have to I buy think... tickets all pretty much outright myself right. anyway, so I'm not buying two. And you gotta buy that cheeseburger. So it's gonna be pricey. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> You're going to have to hold I off think... on that cheeseburger for a little while because you don't know how long that meat's been sitting in the fridge. <laughs> that's true yeah ask to see the package yeah order a burger um i think i think for like opening night tenant i think i i think if i had to i'd buy two tickets um I, you know I, I i guess i could just get someone to go with me or whatever but um there are movies that i would do that for i guess is what i'm saying um tenant being one i i for one am over the moon because well, I'm not over the moon yet because this is just AMC. I, I only have Regal in my town. So uh, this this doesn't mean that I'm getting a premiere week showing of Tenet yet. I'm hopeful that this means that I will, that Regal will follow suit. But I don't know. There's a chance that AMC is rushing back because it's been well documented that they as a company have really been struggling financially. So... There's a chance that other chains will hang back and see how that goes. You know, who knows how this is going to look and it's constantly evolving. But, uh, you know, knowing that there's at least a chance that we're going to get Tenet at the at the scheduled date for premiere night in the theaters gets me very excited because that's one that like that that for me is must see in IMAX. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It, it's getting close. So we should know soon uh, if that's going to happen for other chains and other locations as well. Um, but, uh, interesting to see AMC committing to the July opening date. Um, I, I guess that guys, would you agree that that means that regardless of whether other chains open, um, tenant will still release. Do do you agree with that? Because they have a place at AMC to put it if they need. Yeah. I've been kind of on the train that they're going to come out in July. Um, anyway, but, uh, yeah, I think more than likely it'll probably stay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm still on the other side where I don't think all of this is going to fall into place at the way that they want it to, but it's all a chain reaction. Tenant will be released if movie theaters open, and movie theaters aren't opening until Tenant releases. So it's like, yeah. we got to do this. <laughs> we got to do it. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think 
Otherwise, it, it, you know, I, I don't know if we've talked about it on here, if it was off air. I don't even know anymore. We talked so, <laughs> so long every what time. What year we, is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think they've spent all this money on marketing, um, even down to releasing a trailer a few weeks ago and, and all that stuff. So um, spending all that money at Fortnite. So, uh, you know, I, I think I think at this point, if it doesn't come out now, uh, they'll, they will never make the amount of money they want to make. With mm-hmm. within the next calendar year, I don't think it, it it would for for movie theaters to go back to full hundred percent capacity. I think it would take a lot in terms of just the world of vaccines and all that stuff, uh, which you know, especially all the stuff getting pushed back. I don't think the movie honestly, with all the stuff getting pushed back and coming out next year, it would probably they probably wouldn't make the amount of money they actually were projecting to make. Probably until probably twenty 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 two, they would have to be mm-hmm. like that that far out, and there's nowhere that they're releasing that movie two years from now. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. It's, to make a billion dollars like they wanted to make, it has to be nothing else is coming out like this summer would have been. This is the only thing slated and a full full theater, and that's just not happening for probably another two years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, it seems like Tenet is dead set on opening. If they didn't, if they pushed back, then Mulan is scheduled to open the next week. So that would put the ball in Disney's court. And, and that one is more based off, really, that, that movie is going to make most, most of its money in China. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I think they're, I haven't heard anything, but I think they're still, yeah, I think they're open. I think they're going to expect the same amount of people to go as they would have, or at least similar. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think that one is coming out. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on this and, and, you know, definitely more updates to come. But uh, I, for one, very hopeful and very excited to uh, potentially get back to my theater and see Tenet. My only my biggest concern, honestly, is that I'm going to like cry or throw up or have some (laughs) some others, some or maybe both. I'm afraid I'm going to have too extreme a reaction going back to the theater for the first time to see IMAX and to see Tenet. I'm I'm worried it might overwhelm me. As soon as I sit down in in that chair and... I'm, I'm going to end up with a soggy burger because it's going to be right in my hand and it's, it's going to be tears all oh, over it. I thought you were talking about something else, but yes, I'm right there too. <laughs> oh, man. Soggy Burgers is the name of a nightclub in Portland. That's <laughs> <laughs> New York Very human. nightclub is Soggy Burgers. Oh, yeah. Soggy fucking burgers. Wow. Um, well, at any rate, lots going on in the movie world right now between theaters reopening and you know, movies getting uh, getting pulled down or put back up with disclaimers and everything in between. So uh, lots of stuff uh, in just out, out there that we're thinking about this week. But we do have some stuff that we got to review for you. So we're going to shift to that here, and we're going to start in the TV corner. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts a baby in a corner. It's really fortunate that we've been having Jared on because uh, you've been watching, I'm just going to say it, all the shit that Seth and I don't want to watch. So (laughs) much shit. (laughs) And you've got uh, two, I believe these are both Netflix uh, series to review for us today. Yep, yep. They're uh, they're both Netflix ones. Um, they came out today, actually, but uh, peek behind the curtain, I was able to see one early and get everything prepped, so that's pretty cool. The first one is Quran, and it's an Italian kind of suspense thriller, a little bit of horror vibe um, mystery series, um, and it takes place in this small town in Italy where this mother 
hasn't been back to the town in 17 years and it's kind of mysterious now she has two twins um and is running away from the husband from what you can kind of gather but the first episode kind of sets up everything of you know she was sent away by her father her mother has died she doesn't really remember much of her childhood they're they're coming back to this town to kind of you know talk with the father and figure out something but the they kind of have a a name that isn't too popular around town and all of you know the kids are enrolled in school and all this blah 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 but then the mother goes missing so essentially this whole series is broken down with the these two children who are twins meeting their grandpa for the first time and trying to find the mother and there's I I can't really say too much more because some of the reveals are spoilers obviously but you find out that there's kind of like a curse or there's this weird thing going on in the town because this is I guess someone mentioned that this is actually a real town in Italy where it used to be a village then it got flooded and then they moved the village, but there's one big um, bell tower that still sticks out of the lake. So there's some mystery dealing with the lake and the bell tower and kind of history and obviously the family lineage um, going on in the town. It it has some fun things to it. I just don't I, – I think they purposely drew it out to make more seasons, I think, because there's a lot of – the lore that is a bit foggy and doesn't really add up. They don't go into the specifics. Um, it the the mystery aspect, like I love a good mystery, so that kind of got me on board. But then it deals with you know like your s- typical high school drama, um, kids being new in school and picking on each other. That just turned me off. I wasn't in for that. I wanted a, you know a kind of a scary mystery that it was going for, and then. The, the suspense was always interrupted because of putting, instead of putting, like, scary, suspenseful music, you know how, like, any horror movie kind of throws in that stuff to set the tone? The musical choices in this are, like, techno slash house slash some gangster or some rap stuff in there, and it just really takes it out. It's like, we're supposed to be in this like set, like a tone of a dark woods, but I want to get up and like dance with some glow sticks right now. Like I didn't know what <laughs> tone they were really going for. Um, yeah, I think that it's it's a middle of the road uh, Netflix uh, show. It it has cool lore, like I said, but I think that they extended it out more than they should have because I think that they're trying to milk this for more than it probably deserves. Hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said you said you said this was Italian. Is it? Um, hey, bippity boppity. <laughs> is, is it dubbed or subbed? Um, both. Um, they every time I think a lot of it is dubbed, but then when they do talk in like German, like it'll say in subtitles, like in German, but that part's not dubbed. So I was very confused if they only paid someone like <laughs> half the money to dub one one language. Um. But yeah, this is uh, one so of your strange. typical uh, watch it with uh, the dubbing, but also turn on subtitles because I've noticed that the the dubbing, they try to match the lips of the people, so they cut out certain words or switch words in and out. This is interesting to me. So you've, you've been exposed to quite a bit of foreign stuff, it seems like, lately. Um, are you finding in general 
my recollection is that it's been a lot of middle of the road stuff, nothing that's really blown you away. Is that a fair representation of all the foreign stuff you've seen lately? Yeah, I would say so. I think that there was one that I was like, there was one movie, I think Blood and Earth, I want to say, that I was like really into. But now kind of looking back, I think it was just because we hadn't had movies in a long time. So I was like, holy shit, (laughs) this is amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. but it was just a fine movie. Yeah. These, these foreign ones, they, they have some cool stuff to them. Um, but I think that they're very much lacking and it could be just because Netflix is throwing money at these people. Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense. Um, so this is Quran, Quran, however it is you say it with Italian pronunciation, uh, available (laughs) on Netflix now. And we've got a second one here. With a hilarious title that I want to make fun of later, but I'd like to do it within context, Jared. So tell us about this. Okay, one. so again, this one came out today. I finished it. I finished my review like a few hours before we re- started recording. Um, this one is called Reality Z, and this one is set in Brazil, Portuguese um, language, I believe. So it's dubbed again. But this is actually based on a 2008 British movie or show called Dead Dead Set. Um, No, it's not The Office. uh, Called Dead Set, where in that movie (laughs) or show, zombies take over a Big Brother set. Or, like, Big Brother is happening and zombies, uh, like, there's a zombie apocalypse, so those people in Big Brother don't know what's going on. And that one specifically, they say Big Brother. This one is very much based on that one. So it's Brazil. They make up their own show. But you boil it down, it's your run-of-the-mill, a little over-the-top reality show. And it's, you know, you have all the people working at the station, like the 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 kind of creator and everything. He's very, like, high-strong and kind of a dick. And then you have the receptionist that's working for it and all of the characters that are on the show from the hot chick, the hot girl, to the, like, nerd, the weird guy, the older guy, you know, everything that's kind of, you know, your run-of-the-mill in one of those shows. And then zombies attack. Um, and it's essentially them trying to stay in there. But the first... It, it, it's really funny because... I compared it a little bit to COVID because didn't Big Brother have a season and they didn't tell anyone that that was going on? Yeah, there was a Canada. It was going on in Canada. And for a few weeks, they I don't know if it was even a week because I don't even know how fast time moved back when all that shit was going yeah, down. Yeah. Um, a day felt like a week. But um, there was a period of time, at least, where they didn't tell them that there was COVID going on. And then I think they canceled it shortly after and said everyone needs to go home. Okay. So. Yeah, so something similar like that happens because they slowly start figuring out that, like, hey, no one woke us up or there's not enough food in the fridge. Like, they usually restock it. And then it gets into, you know, like, oh, shit, yeah, there's uh, zombies in the wild and everything. And it's them trying to kind of escape. But uh, the concept I thought was so cool, but it just doesn't live up because this is 10 episodes only 30 minutes it's a short like they could have just bunched it into five hour long ones um so the idea is really cool but i just don't think that they they executed it too well because they have kind of a group of people in there and then like any reality show people get voted off but then they all in this roundabout way more people come into the fold and then more people do so it's like this reality show that is a reality show that turns into like real life but is still kind of set in this reality setting um 
each episode's kind of cool because they open it up with kind of a, like a somber or a little like alternative song. Like I mentioned that Muse is one of them and then Wild Thing is playing. And that kind of sets the tone of each episode. So it opens with that song and it closes with that song. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but the thing is with all of these characters going in and out, one, you don't care because it's like your stereotypical reality stars. So it's like you you want them to kind of die or get eaten or something like that, um, but they just bring them in. It and it's kind of like a reality show where too hot to handle. You know, everyone has a bond, and then when you add two more people in, they're gonna obviously be the outcast because the other ones already have some sort of a bond made. Um, mm-hmm. I think that this could have been something great, and it, when, before I started watching it, I thought that it was going to be. like the zombie apocalypse already happened and the reality show is them dealing with the zombies like like dead rising almost like where they put chainsaws on the side of (laughs) motorcycles like that's what i thought i was getting into um Mm -hmm. i didn't get that and again this is another one they kind of i think set it up for something more which i have no idea what they're going to do because i I mean the second season or third season if they do that would have to be having reality shows while zombies have already attacked so i don't know i don't know about this this one i i think i was in the middle of the road a little bit lower um again it has some fun aspects but it's not one that's going to stay with you mm-hmm. reality z is such a dumb title I, I don't know if it i don't know if it translates better in portuguese but like just putting a Z in your fucking movie is not enough for a zombie movie, you guys. I, I don't know who I'm talking to, but whoever it is that makes those decisions, can we quit with the Z? Well, just it, meeting zombie for fucking everything? It's so that weird because me. a month ago I watched Control Z. Um, yes, exactly. I yeah. don't know why Z is now a thing. There's also Z Nation. Yeah, Z Y. And World too. War Z. Like, it, it's, it's fucking everywhere. It's too much. It's the new, it's the new colon subtitle. And it drives me crazy. Um, I was I did a little bit of reading there uh, about Dead Set, which Dead Set apparently is actually pretty well reviewed. Um, it's from 2008, and it's only five half hour episodes, mm-hmm. so some of that bloating might be, um, you know, there might not be as much of that bloating. Also, Riz Ahmed is in the cast of Dead Set. Really? I didn't know that. I don't I don't recognize any of the other people, but apparently this woman whose name is Davina McCall is the actual British host of the, of Big Brother and appears as herself in, oh, cool. uh, in the show. So that, that's kind of entertaining. So it seems to me that, that Jared, if, 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 uh, if Reality Z isn't a winner, that Dead Set might be worth checking out. Yeah. It, it, this one from does what have it so- a, a Yeah, from what it sounds like what, like what you're saying and then the few things that I read earlier, it's like, yeah, that one is the way better version of this. Mm-hmm. It claims to be inspired by uh, Shaun of the Dead, which we all love. And um, what uh, Charlie Brooker was the... Uh, I, I I just closed the window, so I don't know if he directed <laughs> it or wrote it or whatever. But he's one of the um, creators of Black Mirror. So the, uh, okay. that aspect, uh, I think, fits maybe more in. So so if, you, if you're not a fan of Reality Z, maybe check out the source material that it's based on Dead Set from 08, um, which might, might tickle your fancy a little bit more. So... Uh, again, again with the foreign stuff, Jared. Uh, we got Reality Z here and Quran, uh, both being so-so. I'm interested. Do you think? Uh, and I'm, I'm not accusing here. I'm just curious to hear if you think this is the case. Do you think the fact that these movies are foreign and subtitled with other languages 
Does that have anything to do with the fact that you're enjoying them just sort of as middle of the road or, or do you typically uh, still enjoy movies that are, that have those aspects and these are just actually lower quality? Um, I mean, that has crossed my mind, but I think I always track it back to Parasite where that was like my kind of uh-huh. full dip into a full subtitle full. And that one's not even dubbed. Like that's reading like these dubbed ones. Um, which is funny now, like, I've watched so many of these dub ones that I know which voice actor is doing which characters now, because um, <laughs> it's a very small cast of people that are dubbing these. I think that they're just of lesser quality. Again, you know, there's certain things mm-hmm. that maybe don't hit as hard or I don't relate to, like, for example, that school in Italy. Maybe there's certain things that they do over there that we didn't do in high school, but then again, we haven't been in high school, and high school's changed so much from, you know, just mm-hmm. being able to have technology um, I think that they're just on the lower side of things, and I, I think that they they just bloat them too much. Like I mentioned, that the reality Z could have been shorter, the Quran could have been cut up too. Um, I don't know who's making these lengths or why they're just jam packing certain things in there. Um, who knows? Maybe they maybe they're planning laying the seeds of seasons two, three, four. Who knows? We on the SoCo show certainly do love laying seeds. Oh, that's nasty. So we can empathize with that, Ugh. but um, yeah, I'm sorry for that one. Um, but uh, <laughs> Reality Z and Corone both available on Netflix now. So check those out if you like Jared's review in the TV corner. Television down on the corner. Nobody puts baby. And now it's time for Raid That Pun. The guy who invented the door knocker got a Nobel Prize. (laughs) 95% juice. All right, here we're going to switch gears from TV into the world of movies and have to start with an exciting edition of We Missed the Boat. Oh! I'm on a boat, and You're going to need a bigger boat. All right, guys, We Missed the Boat this week. Uh, it is my turn. If you don't know, this is the segment where uh, Seth has assigned a list of must-see movies to me, and I am working my way through them. Jared also has a list. Uh, yeah, and I have so a we've small been working canoe. through. Uh, turn it, yeah, there you go. Jared missed the canoe. Um, and guys, we are about to make history on the show because I finally watched Toy Story 3. <laughs> <laughs> After being on my list for literally an entire calendar year, I found some time last night to sit down and watch Toy Story 3. And I'm a little bit pissed off because I really liked it. <laughs> I, I I was I was really putting this off and uh, I, I've never been a hu- I've never been as big a Toy Story fan as other people my age. And so I remember, by the way, it's been 10 years since this movie came out. Um, I remember when it came out and I was, you know, I was a senior in high school. I was like, ah, toys are for kids. I don't really care about Toy Story. I really didn't like Toy Story 2 at all. Um, so I've just never been as much a fan as as I know Seth and Jared and, and a lot of other people our age are. Um, so I, I, I got to this and I was in an interesting and relatively good mood last night and I put this on and the movie opens with, um, this like 
really high production, intense, effects-driven, uh, like action movie sh- scene where it's uh, Andy playing with the toys, but instead of showing Andy playing with the toys, it's showing the toys in the world that Andy's creating. So it looks like this really intense action movie. It's kind of like the first few minutes of uh, Austin Powers. <laughs> where, where It's not literally what's happening, but you're like, this is a fun little world to live in. Let's hang out here for a little bit. And honestly, I immediately was hooked because of that, because of the, the imagination. And of course, you can't talk about Pixar without talking about how great the, the CG is in this and how realistic it looks. And I know there's a huge jump from, from Toy Story 3 to Toy Story 4 from last year. Um, but even Toy Story 3 looks fantastic. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, there is so much in here that is just heartwarming. You need one word to, 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 to review this movie and it's heartwarming. Like at every turn, they're making you feel a little pang of nostalgia or like, uh, happy for the toys or sad for the toys or happy for Andy or sad for Andy or these other characters that come in and out of the movie and how you feel good or bad for them. And it truly honestly was what I think every Pixar movie tries to be. And it was, it was just good. Like it just made me feel good and nice and happy. There were times in this that were, you know, perilous or sad. Um, I, don't think you'll got you get you guys will be surprised to hear that I I had some I had a puddle in my bucket of corn by the end of this movie. <laughs> there's some there's some pretty they get you they get you right in the fucking heart um, yeah. in the in the last half an hour or so of this movie and I I was not immune. Um, so it, it Toy Story three is exactly what you'd expect Toy Story three to be. What I did not expect is there's a really good uh, prison escape movie in this. Like there's, there's a great escape, uh, war for the planet of the apes, you know, like there's a high quality prison escape with like all the trappings of, of like an ocean's 11, uh, heist movie thrown in where you're, they're revealing the plan as they're telling it to you. That was really well done. Um, it, honestly, I, I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. They, and I shouldn't be surprised because it's Pixar, but they thought every bit of this out. It was airtight. It still comes in under two hours. They get all the nostalgia, all the great visuals, all the comedy, all the interesting new characters, but still blended with some of the old. A lot of really cool nods, uh, at least to the first movie. I'm less familiar with the second, so I probably missed those. But a lot of really cool nods to the first movie. Um, And I remember you guys mentioning that the fourth movie opens with a shot of the the clouds on Andy's wall, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that's the last shot of Toy Story 3, if you don't remember, um, is a shot of it's, it's, it's not the clouds in his room. It's the clouds like in the sky, but it's, it's the same exact thing. So if you play those movies back to back, it's one shot right into the next, which I thought was an interesting touch. Toy Story 4 actually opens with like a storm scene. Um, but it takes place back when Andy was a kid. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So, but the cloud, the clouds as that connecting element, because I know the clouds open the first movie. Um, so the idea that they closed the third and I think the third was probably made with the understanding that it would be the last one. Um, so the idea that the first begins with the cloud shot and the the third ends with it, I think is beautiful bookending. Um, you know, and, and it's rare that I, that I noticed that kind of stuff, but here I did. Mm -hmm. And I honestly, this was just great. I I'm, I'm a little disappointed in myself that it took me so long to get to this. Um, 
No, this does not mean you, I'm going to immediately go watch Toy Story 4 right now. You don't I'm need still to. Not, I'm still not the world's biggest Toy Story fan, but I, I really, really did enjoy this. And I'm, I, I'm afraid I would have not appreciated it as much had I seen it then. And I know, I know that's counterintuitive I, because we were, I, don't I know, know, I know we were in that stage and I know we were graduating high school, but like I said, I was really anti toy. I was like, I'm an adult. I don't need toys and shit. But now I can fully appreciate that nostalgia of being a kid and missing that feeling. And so I'll never know, but I think I appreciated it at least as much today as I could have then. I don't know. I think, I think especially at the end scene with like the goodbye when Andy goes off to college and all that stuff, I think you mm. would have evaporated in your seat. <laughs> at, that, at that seeing how you cried at graduation you would have you would have evaporated in your seat. yeah you got a point there you might be right because right. man dude when i tell you and and a lot of people point to and this is spoilers for a 10 year old movie so fuck you if you're complaining yeah. but yeah. um you know at the end when they're they're like maybe gonna get incinerated um i even i knew that that wasn't gonna happen because obviously there's a fucking fourth movie with woody in it but the way that they, um, there's a moment, and what's what I love about it is they don't say it. They just show it. And I always love when movies do this. But all of the characters kind of realize that this is it, and there's no escape. And they start kind of holding each other's hands. And Woody's the last one to realize. He's kind of frantic. And then he looks up, and he sees all of them. And they're they're just happy to be together, and they're just holding hands, and they're they're ready to accept that this is the end. And that is as beautiful a moment I've seen in any movie, like at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that point, I'm crying. And then they go ahead and fucking Andy's playing with this little girl and she loves the toys and he's telling her how much they mean to him. And then the crew is saying goodbye to Andy as he drives away. They're, like the last 30 or so minutes of this movie is just me sobbing, honestly. Like I just got... I just got fucking chills because <laughs> right? when, when when Woody says so long, partner, and then, yeah, oh, it does perfect the like that. Line. I was just like, like all right. I, I, yeah. I was thankful at that time I, I saw it in 3D because I was wearing mm-hmm. those glasses. <laughs> and that, that line writes itself, but sometimes it is that simple, you know? Yeah. And I, I love what I love as much as anything about Toy Story is that it dwells in this world of simplicity. And that's not to say it's not incredibly creative because it is, but it's it's so universally i think accepted and loved because it's so easy to understand and they they just they give you really simple ideas and simple thoughts in simple ways and the last some of the laughs sure are cheap fine it's for kids but i think the the beauty in the simplicity of that movie and of toy story as a whole is something i never appreciated before but having seen it now as an adult and able to appreciate it all um this was incredibly rewarding, and I know this has been a long time. That that this satisfaction has been a long time coming for you. So I want <laughs> I want you to appreciate it because I mean it all when I say like this. I am very very glad that that I got to this movie. I, I'm just happy I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> what if I come on and said fuck this movie? Everyone who loves it's an idiot. <laughs> I just knew there was no way. It was. I mean, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. It's you know mm-hmm. it's it's one of those that that. I, I think can, even grows on me more with time, and and you know might be my favorite animated movie ever. Um, you know, I, it it just hit me. Everything was perfect with timing, and and you know it was nominated for best picture that year, and it's you know it it just it was great. It was I, I yeah I love that movie, and it's one I try to not to watch a lot because 
you know, it, it still hits me. And even just thinking about it now, there, there's mm-hmm. a part even in the beginning when they're doing the song, you know, you got a, fr- you got a friend in me and all that. Mm-hmm. And then it ends with our friendship will never die. And it kind of echoes and then it goes forward in time. And yeah. now like they're not being played with. And even that's like almost so haunting in a way. Because uh-huh. like echoes and you know just sounds hopeless and it's like man they they put so much thought into that movie. You're making me just feel yeah. as an adult is just the worst thing ever. Right, <laughs> that's how it is. Yeah. And, and and the way that they kind of characterize everybody, even like the fucking pig, gets like an arc here, and mm-hmm. this idea that there here's Woody who is like to his last breath going to be loyal to Andy. Everything is about Andy and all these other people that are like. You know, we got to live our own lives, too. And both of them have points. And there is a lot of complexity there that, like, the kids are never going to really understand. The five-year-olds who are loving Toy Story don't love it for that reason. But as an Mm -hmm. adult, and that's what I think elevates Pixar, is they're willing to put those kind of themes in a movie that's for kids. And I think that that makes them, they truly are second to none in terms of, the only movie I would put up against Pixar movies in general is, like, Into the Spider-Verse. Other than that, no one else Mm -hmm. is touching Pixar shit. And, 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 you know, and there's a million reasons why. And it, it's crazy, too, because, like, most animated movies, when they come back or, you know, do a sequel or whatever, it, you know, usually takes place within the same time frame, kind of touches on the same things. But so because, you know, if you change too much, it, you know, it changes the formula and, and you know, less people go to it. With Toy Story in particular, they, they've – even though I didn't love the fourth one um, – they with all these movies have gone to kind of different areas and tried different things and then you know they didn't have to advance the story 10 years and get rid of Andy you know like that that's something that's a huge risk they take is you know getting rid of Andy and and you know they they didn't have to do that and they did and and you know showed the whole story of moving on and accepting you know your place in life and and all that type of stuff you know like it's I I, yeah I love that movie (laughs) What a simple fuck! What a simple idea. A lot of people made a lot of money off those toys. <laughs> True, I was thinking about it too. I, I owned, I had the Woody thing. I had the the Buzz Lightyear. I even had the RC car. Oh man, you up. had the RC car. Yeah, the car was with the eyes sick. and all that. Yeah, the car was dope. Seth, I I defy you to 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 put a movie on my list that is going to warm <laughs> my heart as much as this one. But that's what that's I, what you're going to have to do right now. I just got a lot of sad movies on here really um, <laughs> you said i was trying to put more i guess more of a comedy one on there you, you, we, i think we talked you haven't seen goon right you just know certain stuff i have seen Goon. i didn't see the sequel oh, okay never mind um let's see here let's go ahead and throw on <sighs> i don't have any other funny movies for you i'm sorry i guess dogma will have to suffice yeah dogma um, can be my comedy if i need one well, yeah, there's a rubber poop monster in that one. So, um, <laughs> let's let's throw on. I think you said you haven't seen the fighter before, right? Uh, who's in that? Mark Wahlberg. Is he the titular fighter? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then, 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 yeah. Then that's the one I haven't seen. The one I saw is um, Tom Hardy and I think Joel Edgerton. Warrior. Uh, and that that's came out Warrior. the same year. Warrior. That one I've seen. Fighter yeah. I have not. So, so the, Fighter is, called... is um, Mark Wahlberg. Christian Bale won won the Oscar for it. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen uh, it, but I do. I do remember hearing a lot about that one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. The for Fighter. This. The Fighter. The Fighter. You just made the list. 
Okay, so the fighter joins... Uh, the fighter joins Waves, Richard Jewell, The Front Runner, and Dogma on my list. Um, so I'll be back in a few weeks to review one of those. And I think next week is it Jared's turn. What do you got? Yep. Um, I don't have my list handy. I think uh, I want to say like Moonrise Kingdom. Um, oh God, I don't know. There's like five. <laughs> there's movies on there. There you go. Oh, It'll uh, be a First surprise. Reform. That one's on there too. Uh, I think Schindler's list. One. Yep, Angie, list Angie, Angie's list, uh, Schindler's list, and Craig's list are all on there. The wrist, <laughs> the list that or the Shawshank? Shawshank? No, no, no. It's Schindler's list. Is he it? had okay. seen Shawshank? Yeah, that's what it was. I do remember talking about that. Um, all right, so it'll be in for a little bit of a surprise. But next week, uh, JB's turn for we missed the boat. Oh, I'm on a boat, and you're gonna need a bigger boat. Alrighty, I'm done gushing about Pixar. It's time for you guys to review some stuff. Let's get into this week's new movies. Mom, what do you think? I love it! I hated it! Alrighty, so we have five new movies that I've never fucking heard of. Uh, <laughs> <that> you... <laughs> These are all available to stream now. And uh, let's start with you, Jared. What's one of the two movies that uh, that you're bringing to us this week? Um, this is going to be a quick review um, because currently just, uh, you know, some inside baseball. It has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Goose egg. Yeah, yeah. Woo! Um, this one is called The Last Days of American Crime. I believe it's based on a graphic novel by the same name. Um, this is a hefty Netflix movie. It is two hours and 30 minutes, and it has no right to be two hours and 30 minutes. It, <laughs> it's the, the basic concept is it's a little bit futuristic, um, I don't know, like 15 years from now or something like that, where crime is essentially going to be 100% eliminated. We don't need cops anymore by using radio waves. Um, I think it's just ill-timed to release this movie as well. Um, but the movie is following our one main character and then him meeting up with this other like kind of dirty businessman and then his hacker girlfriend which there's a love triangle but then there's like this complete other subplot of this cop the guy that is from he's the main character from district nine i don't know what his name is um that his whole character you could have just taken it out boom 30 minutes off the movie right there because he had no <laughs> effect on anything that happens in the movie and even throughout this movie where they're trying to stop this crime there's a bunch of loopholes and a bunch it basically none of it makes sense it is poorly written it is poorly acted um i gave i think i had given this you know not a zero percent i think i probably should have given it a zero percent i i guess i found some decent parts to this movie um i think it was the lore but then like right after i mentioned that everything falls falls apart so stay away from this movie on netflix especially since it's just it is two hours and 30 minutes i will never get back like i'm gonna be on my deathbed and be like man i shouldn't have watched that movie <laughs> that's a tough one it's, it's charlton copley is that the the actor you were referring to from um uh, yeah yep 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 yeah i like him yeah it's too bad he's slummited in this yeah i was gonna say i like him and everything but he is again he is like added on after the fact and i'm curious if this graphic novel had like this sprawling amazing story that they just tried to condense into one movie mm -hmm. which is worrisome because we just got done talking about realities and corona being stretched more than they should have maybe maybe they should have spent the time on something like this 
to stretch it out and get to actually fully flesh out all these ideas in, in what probably is a very big graphic novel. Um, interesting that in the same show we have something that should have been shorter and something that maybe should have been longer. Yeah, story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Uh, Seth, let's turn to you here. Uh, you've got a couple movies that you alone saw as well. So uh, what do you got up first for us? Yeah, the, this is the first of the two basic white girl names uh, of movies that I saw. Um, not Karen, but I did see Shirley. Um, uh, Shirley is uh, it's a it's kind of a biopic um, based off of uh, Shirley Jackson, who is a, a horror writer uh, from the late '40s, early '50s. Um, most famously, uh, she wrote *The Haunting of Hill House*, which is uh, you know, of course, the big famous Netflix series um this this movie is on hulu actually um so a lot of competing shirley jackson stuff here um you can also rent it too but if you have hulu uh you can watch it for free um the stars elizabeth moss um also has michael stuhlbarg uh odessa young and logan lerman who i saw last week in in, uh that irish irish movie um but so it's a kind of a biopic on shirley jackson it's uh the kind of the premise of the movie is made up in terms of Odessa Young and, and Logan Lerman move in with Shirley Jackson and, and Michael Sto- uh, Stovark's character Stanley. Um, they uh, um, Logan Lerman's character he's a pr- aspiring professor and he's working uh, working with um, Stanley to try and um, become a full full professor and get recommended by by him and stuff like that. So they're living in the meantime. Um, Odessa Young's character Rose is a um, basically she's kind of just working while they're living there for free. She's kind of working with the house, like being a house, house, um, made type of thing. Um, and she's also pregnant. So she's got, she's got a kid on the way too. Um, so Shirley Jackson with being a, you know, horror writer, she's in, again, haunting a hill loss. A lot of people say is very crazy and disturbing and scary and stuff. So, you know, th- there's some of those elements in there. It's not necessarily a horror movie, but there's, you know, there's some moments in here where, you think maybe that Shirley Jackson is involved with some like witch type things or spells or, or that. So they kind of have some creepy elements to it. It's kind of a tense movie at times. Um, Shirley Jackson dealt with some, um, some, some sort of like mental problems um, in terms of almost, almost seemed like schizophrenia or, or things like that, bipolar. So you kind of see some of that stuff in here. Um, it does deal with a little bit of like kind of psychological horror at times. Um, Elizabeth Moss, as always, is is awesome. Um, you know, she she's just so good at at kind of embodying the character she's going for, and um, she play she is she has such a wide range of of skills. Uh, it's cr- crazy to see her from this to you know what she does in Handmaid's Tale to you know like her smell to the one I love, uh, which is one of the, the that movie Cody and I always reference come back to, um, but. Yeah, she she she's great. I love seeing her her work. Um, Michael Stuhlbarg is great. I mean, the entire cast is is really solid. Um, I I think the the movie is definitely confusing at times. It does kind of it 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 has big chunks of time where where I mentioned like she's where uh, Rose uh, Odessa Young's character is pregnant. You know that happens somewhat quickly. Like you see her get you know like get the belly starts showing and then she has the kid and like it all moves very quickly um in time so that that kind of gets a little confusing especially with like some of the mental problems that shirley jackson was having too so um yeah it's 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 kind of a trippy movie um 
but I thought it was really cool. Um, really, again, psychological. So you kind of dive into um, Elizabeth Moss. Um, I don't know if I had circled back to this, but basically where, where it's not true is the, the, the two character, Desi Young and, and Logan Lerman, they don't exist at all in real life. It's, so it's a lot, so a lot of the stuff is based off Shirley Jackson, but it's not all entirely true. So I enjoyed it though. I think good performances and, and an interesting look into a, a horror writer, which you don't often get to see. So, uh, I think it's worth, worth checking out on Hulu. Was this, uh, did this pique your interest enough to check out something like Haunting of Hill House? Like, are you going to go explore the works of this person now that you've seen their biopic? That, that's one show I've actually kind of wanted to watch because I know there's a lot of like hidden creepy ass things in the background. A ton and of I it. love, <laughs> I love like background stuff. Um, I, I, I love like tr- seeing things like other people don't see and, and um, that, that whole thing of like background horror. Or like that's creepy ass thing in the in the back. Like I've I've loved that. I've always loved that idea. So I kind of want to watch it just for that shit. Like seeing a ghost pop up in the background that mm-hmm. you know ends up fucking someone up later. Uh, Jared, did you see Haunting of Hill House? No, I remember uh, at work like people were just raving about it. And again, I'm a big scaredy cat. But since I'm just reviewing everything on Netflix, I'm curious if there's going to be multiple. Is there? going to be a season two or anything like that because if so I think so. if so i'll have to watch it i guess i think yeah. there is i'm pretty sure after the success of it they said there would be another season mm-hmm. um but i don't know how long it's gonna i think it might be like anthology type so it'll be same creators with another unrelated story i'm not sure um without looking that up but um yeah if it, you <laughs> there's a really fun uh, you'd have to search for this on YouTube. Um, you there, there's a, I've seen a video where it, it goes through and shows you maybe not all, but a mm. lot. And there's like 40 of the fuckers Jeez. just like creeping in the background. And I would be really impressed Seth, if you, if you don't watch that video and then just watch the show and you actually see some of the backgrounds because it is, they are super well hidden from what mm-hmm. I've seen. So that would be really impressive. If you could pick some of those out. Um, there is a season two, uh, coming. I just looked all right then yeah, year, yeah I'll have to chisel out some time to watch it at like nine o'clock in the morning um so it's very <laughs> light out <laughs> I know I just got like blackout curtains for my for my living room area that I have where my TV is and stuff and so it's it's pretty much always super dark in here now so I kind of want to watch <laughs> watch it with that oh yeah it makes me so happy that you guys are getting into horror um so uh, Haunting of Hill House, written, of course, by Shirley Jackson. If you want to know more about her, check out Shirley, which is available on Hulu right now. Uh, let's see here. Jared, you got one other one for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, do I. This may, maybe not a 9 a.m. movie so much as a, a 1 p.m. movie. This is like a 6 or to sorry, 9 p.m. movie, if you know what I'm saying. There you go. <laughs> um, Ow! Yeah, you go 6 to midnight real quick watching this one. Um, so this one... <laughs> I had no clue that this movie apparently had a following and whatnot. Like, my review on YouTube has, like, 12,000 views already, and it's been up for oh, Jesus. Wow. <laughs> People are thirsty right now, I will say that. Um, so this... You guys, you guys gotta watch this movie. It's, it's right, crazy. Please, show me your dick! Yes, yes, there is. There's peen, there's everything. Um <laughs> Okay, so this movie is called 365 DNI, which Bars. transfers to or translates into days. And uh, 
If I had to break this down, it's a romance erotica film that is very much in the vein of uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, but is better. Um, don't don't take that better out of context um, because those Fifty Shades movies are pretty bad. The chemistry amongst the leads in this movie is probably the best thing, plus they're super hot. Anyways, the basic story or structure of this is this Italian gangster Don type character um his a, a deal goes bad his dad dies um and he is very much hurt and then it's like flash forward five years and apparently when he had gotten shot almost died he got this vision of a woman and for five years he's been trying to find this woman um drives by one day one random day sees this woman and then it's like oh okay whatever that's that's it and then it kind of shows her lifestyle and um this is where I said the movie was problematic, but people in the comments were saying no because it's written by a woman for women, so apparently it's not problematic. But um, he kidnaps her, and essentially it's Beauty and the Beast where he's like, you have 365 days to fall in love with me. If not, I will just let you go. So um, she's essentially uh, kid like she's kidnapped. She's a prisoner, and this guy... In the book, apparently this happens, not in this movie, but he is very aggressive. He is borderline assaulting her, um, forcing her into stuff. I thought that I, I, in my review, said it was problematic, but people are saying that I am, it's it's a fantasy, it's not real. And I'm like, okay, you do you. Um, (laughs) You can't win. I'm actually going, I'm going through the the comments right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. You might have to read some after this, but um, a lot of people, like, it is it is borderline a softcore porno with a story in there um, because there's one scene that just keeps going and going and going and they are they are getting it and there's some oral scenes um you, you don't exactly it, it's obviously simulated somehow but it is very like oh god what am i watching here um so this movie i will say is super hot super sexy super filthy but i said it was problematic because of those kidnapping situations um if yeah. you want to just watch the scenes i'm sure that there's a website that has like hey watch from this time code to this time code um <laughs> don't waste your time because again the story falls into that 50 shades where it's very hollow very thin um but it has two very attractive people at the leads and they're getting naked all the time so take it with what you will boom that's uh for the 13 year olds listening yeah that's 365 dni on netflix uh lots of uh lots of a and t's um if not the uh the hardcore p and v's so um <laughs> and, check and the that thing one is, out if it tickles your fancy. i had no idea what to expect and then i'm like what the fuck is going on here <laughs> Have you ever Netflix seen is sending um, you a fucking softcore porn to watch? Jared, did you ever see that movie Nymphomaniac? Yeah, I watched uh, one and two, and that that is like graphic to a gross level. This is mm-hmm. graphic to like they it's it's hot. I will say that. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, there, I mean, you know, we laugh certainly because we're fucking immature, but like, they're, erotic movies. There, there's a market for that, and um, oh damn, there there it, is, yeah. Apparently, that market has found you and your review, <laughs> so uh, that that's pretty fun to know. Um, so that's uh, 365 DNI available on Netflix right now uh, if you want to get titillated. Um, but Seth, we got one more, well, two more movies, uh, but one more that you alone saw. 
Um, so what, what's this one about here? Uh, it's it's about uh, hardcore porn. Um, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> uh, this one is called The Vast of Night. This is on Amazon Prime. Uh, came out recently on, on that platform. So another movie that takes place, uh, like Shirley t- took place in the late 40s, early 50s. This also takes place in the f- in the 1950s, takes place in New Mexico. That's important because you'll hear in, in a bit. But basically the story of this uh, takes uh, takes place in New Mexico. There's a girl named Faye who is working... Um, as a uh, um, switchboard operator, which is actually pretty cool because they, they spend a lot of time in, in, in that area. And you kind of see, like, because she, she's she's working, like, they kind of show her doing some of the calls. I'm like, oh, that's how people used to make phone calls back in the day, like, with, <laughs> with switchboard operators and, you know, like, calling and saying which number you want to go to. Like, that, I thought that was actually pretty cool. Um, but oh, the it leads into, so she's a switchboard operator. There's also another character named Everett who is a radio DJ and uh, they both start hearing some, uh, some noises, some like uh, static or um, that type of thing. And so they, um, they end up taking that, that static and putting it on the air and reach out and be to the people of the town and being like, what, what, what is this noise? Does anyone know what this is? And so they start getting some calls and hearing some people talking about certain instances that, um, that they've heard this noise before and, and some weird things they saw or felt or reacted to. So you got a supernatural element going on in here. Um, New Me- I mean, New Mexico is important here because um, I think pretty early on you, you uh, realize that it, that it's a UFO. So New Mexico, Roswell, all that stuff going on. So it's mm-hmm. a fake city, um, but it's, it's a, you know, essentially what it boils down to is kind of an alien movie. But what's cool about it is that it keeps it all of a, like kind of the early stages of it where, you know, people start seeing it. And especially like in the 50s, you didn't have a, have a whole lot of communication. So the only people that were really hearing and seeing this uh, are within this small town in New Mexico. So uh, it's it's all very well done within this like small area. It's all well done in terms of the the costuming and the setting. All felt like the fifties. I mean, there's there's some really amazing tracking shots in this movie, um, where they just go from like where Faye is in her switchboard area, and they then they start to pan out backwards, and then they go down a street, and it's very like dimly lit, and you you just kind of see some some street lights or maybe even a light in the sky and then it, it zoom like it tracks down the street into the radio station wherever it is and he's talking on the radio and then the phone rings and he picks up and it's Faye again. Like it's all really super cool in terms of the, the cinematography. They even do like the the opening shot of the movie starts in a nineteen fifties home and it zooms in on a nineteen fifties TV where it's black and white and kinda like um almost a little shaky and it zooms into that and then um, it it stays black and white going into the movie you're watching now. Um, like it, it goes into the characters, and then it starts to slowly fade into color. So like all of it is so cool with the cinematography. I was I was just in awe of all that. It was all very creative. Um, they, they, there's even long parts of this movie when they're talking to the people on the radio and describing what's going on, where there's nothing on the screen. It's just entirely black. So you're just listening <laughs> to the the people describe what's going on with like what they saw and then it'll slowly fade back in and it kind of looks like a tv again and then it'll start to fade again it's all super duper cool um it's a really interesting movie the way it's all shot um 
the again the the aesthetic of it all in the 50s and in the mystery of like what the hell's going on like what you know we all know from what we've seen before this is aliens again pretty early on you you kind of know like oh this new mexico all that it's aliens but like what what's going to happen like what you know what what is the whole deal with with everything that's going on so it's all really cool i had a good time with this one it's it's only an hour and a half long um, feels like a, a long episode of like a Twilight Zone episode in a way, but not as weird, I guess. Um, it's it's super cool. I, I'd recommend checking it out if you have Prime. You have piqued my interest in this. Um, I pulled this up, 92 on Tomatoes, so it is getting reviewed well. Um, is this a case, you, you mentioned the style a lot with, um, you know, extended shots and color changes. Is Do you think, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing if it is the case, is, is this more, is this better to you and and good to you because of the style or does the substance behind it uh you know support that as well uh, this the what's behind it supports it um mm-hmm. the, the acting is all very good um the story i think is intriguing and the mystery of it all the the cinematography and, and all the cool shots adds to it more than anything else that's good that's good yeah this is interesting 90 minutes it is available on prime now uh, i'm gonna put this in my queue this sounds like a good one yeah, the style is what's popping out at me. I definitely want to check this out. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And uh, speaking of style, uh, <laughs> we got one more movie left, and I am so fascinated to hear about this. This is one that both of you guys saw, and uh, I'm just going to sit back and listen because I, have, I, have, I haven't even been able to accomplish expectations for this movie, so I, I need to learn everything. Why don't you go ahead and set it up? I, I just, uh, I got I to gotta rest my, my mouth. <laughs> okay, I'm going to set this one up. So we saw another, uh, what was it, white woman movie, uh, Becky. We saw Becky. <laughs> <Yep>. um, <laughs> and this movie is, it's a quick watch, and it's kind of a setup of this girl with her father, who the mother, you find out, has passed away. And they kind of, it's a troubled girl. She's very much getting in trouble at school, not listening to her father and everything like that. So they go up to their cabin for the weekend, but she's kind of in a butthurt mood because they're <laughs> going to sell the cabin. Um, that was probably not the best term to use for that, but that's what I used. Um, and then you find out that the father is seeing someone and going to potentially propose to this woman. So that's kind of the setup on Becky's point of view. But then we find out that on the other point of view, Kevin James is in this movie and he is in prison and he is a Nazi slash white supremacist. Kevin James being this role, that's weird. Um, And he's like in the yard kicking ass. He's shanking people. And then the setup for him is they're getting transported to a different facility and they kind of trick the cops, kill them, and then they're on the loose out in this wilderness. So that's kind of the setup of Becky and how Kevin James falls into the mix. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Lulu Wilson plays Becky. Um, Obviously, Kevin James is mentioned. Joel McHale plays the father of Becky. Um, Not really any other super notable people in the cast. Um, it's got an interesting tone to it, I, I think. Um, it, it's it's got like a lot of people compare it to Home Alone, where it's like Kevin McAllister getting at these, you know, the 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 robbers. Kind of the same thing here. It's like Becky, she's she's very moody, she's pissed off, she's um, you know she she's almost not likable in the beginning with so, just how how mean she is mm-hmm. to, to Joel McHale. Um, 
But, uh, you know, once kind of the stuff happens, so basically Kevin James and, and a couple of his, his cronies <laughs> uh, come, come into the house because they're looking for something. And, uh, you know, they're, they, so they obviously, you know, uh, trap, uh, they, they kidnap in a way, I guess, or they, they hold, hold hostage, that's a better word, Joel McHale and, and his, uh, the, his other lady now that he has and their son. And so, um, you know, she, she sees her, her uh, father and, and, you know, I guess uh, mother now <laughs> in, in trouble. And so, or the person she doesn't like anymore, I guess, but uh, sees them in trouble and, and you know, kind of does some badass things to, to save them. Um, and other things happen throughout the movie in terms of, um, you know, what she does to, to, to get rid of these robbers um or get rid of the, these these awful people but there's some really really fucked up things that happen <laughs> in this movie like really fucked up and gory shit like shit that is disgusting yeah um uh and and it goes on for a while um so very gory it's a very gory movie mm-hmm. um but becky is she's a badass i i was enjo- even though it was super gory i was enjoying watching her kick some ass in this movie yeah uh, mm-hmm. i thought that it was kind of fun and, and satisfying to see her do yeah, that. Yeah, kind of what Seth you're saying. It was like a playfully dark movie where I had compared it to Home Alone meets Rambo Last Blood because <laughs> she is very much, you know, it, it's it's these kind of bright colors and she's obviously like this younger teen. So there's like a bunch of, you know, she's wearing these colorful clothes and has like color pencils and it, it's just so weird and goofy but yet it's like oh people are getting hurt like seriously hurt and like seth mm-hmm. says yeah they uh they don't shy away from not exactly the gore but just like you get to see everything that is happening from maybe someone getting stabbed to maybe someone tripping over something to falling on something it, it's kind of Anything and everything you get to see, and um, to get, dismemberment of body oh, parts. Oh yeah. Oh, there, there, there's one scene in the kitchen with a cutting board. My God, I can't. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love this. I love this because you guys are doing such a good job of 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 uh, enticing me without actually giving away what's going to happen. And I am yeah. so fascinated because I can tell I, there's some shit you're dancing around here and I want to know so bad what it is. I, you're going to, when it happens, when you see it, you're going to go, Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. This is going to my queue right now. Where can I see this? <laughs> VOD. You can rent it. Oh, wow. Um, not $20 though. It's, it's for your normal rent price. So, uh, it's hour and a half, so it's a short movie too. Um, quick, quick watch. Uh, and again, I like Lulu Wilson a lot. I, I, I like her as, as kind of you know. Again, she was she was annoying in the beginning, but by the end, it's like you're you're rooting for, her, of course. Um, you know, if if you uh, one thing that pissed me off is there's some there's some dog harm in this one. So um, mm. be prepared for that. Literally, don't you know? Does the dog die? <laughs> uh, walk, go to that website. Um, you you might need to to go see that one, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was fun. Like it, you know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, uh, the best movie I've seen this year. And, you know, it was interesting to see Kevin James in a different role, but, um, I, uh, you know, there's, there's not a ton of, of, uh, depth to the movie, um, mm-hmm. which I don't think you expect that going in, especially with Kevin James in it. Um, but like, 
is it is it something different and is does it go some crazy places and do they take some chances in terms of what they're showing absolutely I, you know it's it's a pretty wild movie mm-hmm. yeah i'm gonna echo everything you just said like the the two people that stood out kevin james just because it's out of what we normally see him in and then lulu wilson i could see her slowly becoming you know someone a younger actress that you know can hold her own and everything like this movie knew what to do to get in get out you know it's a quick 90 minutes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. man this sounds tight. This I'm I'm I, I'm actually interested in seeing this. Um, so, in addition to Becky, uh, we heard about the Vast of Night, uh, 365 DNI, Shirley, and the Last Days of American Crime. So, some hits and some misses in this week's reviews. Mom, there we go. What do you think? <laughs> I love it. I hated it. There we go. I know. Uh, for the first time in a in like fucking probably seven or eight episodes. Uh, I will be watching a new movie this weekend. To Five Bloods, uh, Spike Lee's new one is coming out on Friday, and I am fucking juiced to see that one. So um, I'll get to review a movie for once, yay! <laughs> um, but uh, other than that, I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll have some additional uh, previously unheard of crap. Not necessarily crap, but uh, previously unheard of titles that uh, only Seth and Jared are able to unearth um, in next week reviews as well. But uh, for now. We are just about done with this week's show. And before we go, like we always do, got to leave you with one more thing. But I'm down to one more, t- one more thing. I want to shout out another YouTube channel, um, which I do often hear. This one is called uh, Ted Ed. So this is uh, Ted, the same, the same folks that are responsible for TED Talks, um, but it's a separate YouTube channel that they have. So it's Ted, T-E-D dash Ed, E-D. Um, I guess it's I guess it's short for TED Education, um, and there is some really really interesting shit on this channel. Um, there's a lot to do with things like coding. There's a different playlist for nature. There's a different playlist for poetry, and it really is this whole channel just has. There's one about math, uh, like impossible math. One one is about why don't perpetual motion machines ever work? So this is like high level nerdy shit. That's not to say it's like inaccessible unless you're smart. They do a really good job of making everything digestible. What I gravitated toward on this channel was there's a whole playlist of um, riddles, riddles and thought puzzles, and they give you opportunities to um, to solve the riddle. So like they'll lay it out for you and then they'll say, pause now if you wanna figure it out. And then you come back from the pause and they give you the answer. Um, so Ted Ed, it, it just is a really nice, they're, they're typically pretty short videos, 10 minutes or less. Um, but just bite-sized knowledge that's still pretty entertaining, pretty accessible. Uh, and you might learn a few things too. So if, if you find yourself consuming too much brain rotting, um, brain rotting, you know, uh, content, find your way to Ted Ed for some stuff that might, might actually make you a little bit smarter. Well, I'm going to tell you something. That's not going to make you smarter. <laughs> and what that is, is Gary Busey, Pet Judge. <laughs> pet Wait, justice. we got a sounder for this. <laughs> That's Pet Judge. Well, where's the other, where's the Gary Busey sounder? Do we got, oh, did, where's the, where's the Busey sound? I don't think I have it on the thing anymore. Yeah, what? Oh, no. We haven't done that segment in like a year and a half. I don't have it. Um, what you talk about the pet judge and I'll find the sounder. I'll have to dig it up. What? 
Mm-hmm. Um, Gary Busey, Pet Judge. I've I've only watched one episode, but I'm going to continue, and I will have a full review of it eventually. Don't you worry. <laughs> um, but but pet, Gary Busey, Pet Judge, is as wild uh, as as we did, as one would expect. Um, I think we talked about it when it was announced, but basically, it's Gary Busey. Um, it, it is scripted, or at least um, set up, so there's actors. I I, th- I from what I've gathered from watching it is that so they have these improv actors or just actors in general coming in with made up stories about pets and, and scenarios and things like that, and then I think Gary probably knows you know the basics, but then he they just kind of let him rant and go and like tell weird fucking stories and <laughs> and and say his weird sayings and then give a verdict which may or may not be um uh something predetermined he might have just made it up on the spot um and then and then he goes pet justice and then it goes to <laughs> some guy um uh, who's who has like a drawn on mustache with a marker <laughs> in the back who's like this <laughs> he's this guy who's He's doing uh, interviews kind of like on, you know, the guy at the, in the back of, you know, like Judge Judy or whatever who, you know, talks about the case um, with the people. But it's it's weird. It's fucking weird, man. Um, but it, it it's wild. I, I think, uh, you know, you're not you're not going to go and expect in like Emmy Award winning TV. But if you want to watch Gary Busey uh, continue to to, you know, go crazy and and probably be crapping his pants during the show. Uh, <laughs> Watch him, Gary Busey, pet judge. In a second. <laughs> a symphony of farting trombones. He does that in the, in the show, too. It's, it's just like, I think even in the intro, it's like, pet justice. oh my god pet justice amazon prime uh all episodes available now i assume yeah six episodes all under a half hour a piece so you can you can binge through it in in less than three hours wowzers wow that that (laughs) that sounds redonkulous um for my one last thing i always i always feel like i start the podcast with something great and then i completely black out and forget halfway through um (laughs) but one thing that's kind of been keeping me I wouldn't say sane during this time, but almost like kind of a, a break from the week and everything is another podcast that uh, Seth turned me on to, and it's called Bad Friends. I don't know if I've brought this up, Seth, you've brought it up on the podcast, um, but it's Andrew Santino, Bobby Lee, and I just love that, you know, obviously they're really good friends, they're very playful, but the the conversations that they have, the th- bits that they go into and everything in this podcast is just so much fun um especially like i remember growing up and watching mad tv all the time so like bobby lee i knew who he was i just didn't know who he actually was and through this podcast you like find that out but i think it's the chemistry amongst the two plus the 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 videos or things that they bring in to talk about um I don't know. It's just it's an it's a nice break from the week, and literally I'll like have a drink and just laugh my ass off for like an hour or so. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. I, I always look forward to because it's on on Mondays. Uh, and there's another podcast that I love. I watch on Fridays, um, and I know you started watching. Yeah, that too, I've just so been watching like... too many podcasts that you keep throwing out. So stop <laughs> stop recommending stuff. <laughs> but it's fun. Like, I love bookending my weeks with those shows, and and uh, 
you know, it's comedians, so it, it's always, you know, they're, even though they're not performing stand-up, you know, they're funny, you know, it, most comedians are funny off, uh, you know, off the, you know, off the dome as well, so it's, it's, it's fun to, to watch those shows, the chemistry between all those comedians is a lot of fun. Well, there you go, Bad Friends, um, the video version's on YouTube, yeah. I assume? Yep. Yes. So you can check that one out. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to end up, I'm gonna have to end up watching this since you guys both do, because uh, very frequently now, especially over these last couple weeks, you guys like to talk about shit that's going on on Bad Friends, and I just have no context. So <laughs> I need to, um, I need to get on the, I need to get on board this ship so that I can uh, continue to hang out with you guys, or you might leave me behind. So uh, <laughs> watching uh, Bad Friends on YouTube. We got Gary Busey, Pet Judge, on uh, Amazon Prime, and uh, Ted Ed on YouTube. Basically, you guys made me feel like a huge nerd with my Ted Ed thing now, because the stuff you yeah, guys you came suck. up with is goofy. Nerd. And I'm trying to help people learn. Fucking nerd. Okay, I'll wear it. I'll wear it. Uh, all that, all that, and one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. That's going to do it for episode 147 of the SoCo Show. Once again, make sure you guys check out our sponsors. Links to all of them in the description box. Big shouts out to our uh, contributors once again. Thank you guys for supporting the show. And a reminder that all contributor and ad it. it all contributor and ad income for the month of June uh, is going to be donated to uh, one of a few uh, of the charities uh, helping out the Black Lives Matter uh, movement right now. So um, if you want to not only help the show out, but help out a great cause, become a contributor now. Um, otherwise, just keep clicking on these episodes because, like I said, ad revenue is going to the same place. So um, keep clicking, keep sharing, keep listening to the show. We appreciate you spending uh, two hours with us this week talking about dumb shit. Uh, but, um, you know, we, uh, Jared, I want to make sure that, that folks know what's coming new on the channel this week for you. I know you've been pretty busy. Uh, yeah, hopefully I'm staying away from those, uh, foreign series for a while. We'll see though. Um, <laughs> no, this week, uh, you know, obviously you can find me on J Buck Studios on YouTube and then Twitter and Instagram at Jared Buckendall. Over on YouTube, I want to say maybe there's a series tomorrow from Netflix. Depends if I'm feeling motivated. But this weekend is pretty busy because we have Artemis Fowl from Disney+. Plus. We have King of Staten Island from Universal. And then we also have The Five Bloods from Netflix. So there's going to be quite a few movies that I wouldn't say all of them. At least one of them probably is worth checking out. So lots of movies this week. Boom. There it is. Make sure you're uh, over on the YouTube. At Jared Buckendall. Keep an eye on what Jared's got going on. Um, we, Seth and I, uh, in fact, as soon as we end this podcast, we're going to be recording an, episodes, uh, an episode of Movies and Nonsense with Jared. That's going to be exclusive to his Patreon members. So if you're looking I to... Think that's uh, an nope, one. it's going to be a public is it? one. It's a public one. Yeah. Okay. It's not a pub. It's not 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 exclusive. So if you've missed out on the Patreon exclusive episodes, because Seth and I have done a few episodes before, uh, make sure you check this one out. It's going to be publicly available on the YouTube, and I think we're gonna have some video, so you'll see how uh, how ugly we all look today. Um, so make sure you check us out on that show and more of JB next week here on the SoCo Show. But for Jared and for the SoHost Seth Ott, I've been the co-host Cody Michael, and we will see you next week. Bye.